Hello and welcome to Impact the Borough, a podcast from the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. I'm Brent Christensen, President and CEO of the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. Each week, a Chamber staff member will sit down with a guest to discuss what we're doing to start and grow businesses, create quality jobs, develop our workforce, and tell the inspiring story of Greensboro to the world. This podcast is brought to you by Truliant Federal Credit Union a modern, mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members, the businesses it serves, and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, Truliant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information. Hey, everybody. It's Cecilia Thompson with Action Greensboro. Today, we're sharing a recent Try This Tuesday action call that features two really interesting projects that are documenting COVID-19 here in Greensboro. The Greensboro History Museum's History Happening Now project and the Westerwood Neighborhood Porch Portrait Project. I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome those that have joined. Um, We're gonna give it a couple more minutes, um, but we're really glad that you're here for an exciting topic on history and the making uh, with the Greensboro Historical Museum or History Museum, I should say. You just joined, you changed your name not long ago. Um, And uh, a couple of community volunteers that are working on a project to um, archive what's happening in the Westerwood neighborhood. Well, welcome. I just heard the church bells from uh, First Baptist Church around the corner. So um, I think that means it's three o'clock here in Westerwood. um, And we're really glad to have you um, for Try This Tuesday with the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. My name is Cecilia Thompson, and I'm executive director of Action Greensboro and the host of every Tuesday's Try This Tuesday call, uh, which has been a really joyful addition to my life uh, while staying at home and working from home uh, really since mid-March. Try This Tuesday was developed with the idea that we all needed to integrate um, new things into our lives uh, while living at home and staying in our neck of the woods um, and also bringing our work into our home. And so we developed this uh, to be a fun day with the chamber to talk about exciting things that were happening in the community and new tricks and techniques that we can integrate into our lives while social distancing. So um, if you've missed any of the Try This Tuesday calls or any of the chamber um, action calls over the last five weeks, they are all archived online at greensboro.org backslash COVID-19. Maybe you want to relive last week's Greensboro Grasshoppers game online, or you're missing the Paloma and Margarita recipe that we um, featured on Cinco de Mayo. Those are all archived. Um, So we welcome you to go back and enjoy those um, calls. I also want to remind you that you can follow the Greensboro Chamber on social media at Greensboro Chamber or action, or excuse me, at GSO Chamber. You can also um, find Action Greensboro on social media, and I hope that you will, um, at Action Greensboro on Twitter um, and Facebook or Action GSO. So before we get started, I have a couple commercials that I do every week, and um, they're still just as important this week as they were last week. So um, first, if you have yet to fill out your green, uh, your census form, the time is still now. Um, an accurate count means that we have funding for our community and congressional representation in Washington, D.C. And so it's important that everybody fills out the census um, to help us have funding right now and over the next 10 years. If you haven't done that yet, we ask that you do so. It's super easy. Um, and as we were reminded a couple weeks ago, it's also a great opportunity uh, to do it with your kids. Um, it's an opportunity to talk about civic engagement and opportunities with um, the federal government. So do the census. The second commercial is that DGI still has an ongoing fundraiser. Um, You make a contribution to DGI. Those dollars are then turned to uh, purchase meals from downtown restaurants that need our uh, business right now. And then those meals are sent to Cone Health uh, workers that um, deserve much needed delicious meals right now. Um, They're on the front lines. And so I see it as a triple bottom line. Um, So please go on to DGI's website if you can um, and donate a couple dollars. Finally, Cone Health is um, ramping back up again for elective surgeries, and they are in need of blood donations. And so they go through a third party called One Blood. If you go to oneblood.org backslash donate, um, you can sign up to donate blood, um, and you can do that just off of Elam Avenue across from Wesley Long Hospital. And so um, consider that. Uh, yesterday, I watched a uh, online 
Facebook Live show from Kevin Lundy with the Community Foundation on how to be a philanthropist. And he reminded us that we're all philanthropists in our own way. And so whether you're giving of your blood or your time or knocking on a neighbor's door, we can all really support our community right now. And we encourage you um, to think about how to do that every day. So um, those are my commercials. Today, um, we're really excited to be talking about history in the making. Um, we're all living history right now, and we can all think about how we can archive our lives through journalism or journaling or photography or other new mediums, and so that future historians can learn about this time um, in the future. So I was thinking about this, particularly as it related to an article that I read in the New York Times um, in kind of mid-March as all of this was starting to unfold. And the, the New York Times article, and I'll paraphrase, said, um, Anne Frank listened in an Amsterdam attic on March 28, 1944, as the voice of the Dutch Minister of Education came crackling in over the radio in London. And he said, preserve your diaries and letters. And Frank wasn't the only one listening. And so the New York Times, if you go on their website now, um, have just an amazing catalog of journals that people kept because of that request um, that you can now look through and you can learn about those times in World War II. And of course, right now, our lives are very different than, than theirs was, but there's also um, this idea that we can pass along what life looks like so we can learn from our experiences. And so we've got some experts today um, that are joining us to talk about um, how Greensboro is archiving um, our time right now in this pandemic and how we might think about contributing to those archives. So I'm gonna make some introductions um, from our special guest. Today we have two people from um, the Greensboro History Museum that's located right downtown in the Cultural District. Carol Gorsey Hart is the director of the Greensboro History Museum. She has an MA in anthropology from Indiana University and previously was the adjunct professor in anthropology at SUNY Farmingdale on Long Island. She's also the, has been the executive director of the Vanderbilt Museum and the Planetarium in New York. So welcome, Carol. Glenn Perkins has been a curator of community history at the Greensboro History Museum since 2017. He earned his MA in US history from UNCG and previously worked at Preservation North Carolina. So welcome Glenn and Carol. We're also excited to have two of my friends join us that are working on an exciting project in Westerwood, um, archiving, archiving what's happening, um, I should say here in Westerwood because I live here also, um, Betsy Blake and Ann Cassidy. Betsy um, has a fine art degree from Guilford College with minors in business management and English and a concentration in communication. She's just very busy at Guilford. Uh, Betsy's always been drawn to authenticity and nonfiction and meaning making. In 2003, Betsy co-produced a short film about a historic peace church that didn't get along amongst themselves. And it went on to be screened in small gatherings around the country as well as Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. It became a part of the curriculum at Oxford University in the UK and some colleges here in the States. Betsy's worked in marketing related fields for 24 years and has her own little marketing company for 10 years. She calls it her little marketing company. She focuses on working with socially conscious, small and mid-sized businesses. On the side and integrated, photography has been a longtime love for Betsy and has quickly grown into an offshoot of her main business over the last six years. Her photojournalism work has surrounded um, immigration and has been featured on NBC, CNN, Sojourners Magazine, and NPR online. So welcome, Betsy. And finally, last but not least, um, Ann Cassidy. Ann, for the last 30 years, has made her career as a graphic designer and creative director. Originally from Maine, she received an English degree from Smith College and got her start at a trade magazine in New York City. A decade or two months later, or moves later, Anne and her husband, Mark, found their home in Greensboro. Anne has worked with many advertising agencies, businesses, brands large and small. She has a passion for finding creative solutions, especially working conceptually and collaboratively with other creatives to tell a story. So welcome to my four um, special guests to talk about history happening now. Um, I wanna start off with Carol and Glenn. Um, can you share a little bit about the Greensboro History Museum's project, History Happening Now? 
Um, I'm very happy to, and thanks, Cecilia, for letting us be part of this conversation. It's really great to be able to share what we're doing. Um, you said it yourself, you know, we're seeing history happen in front of our eyes. Um, the pandemic's really transforming just things that we took for granted um, daily. And we don't really know what it's going to look like um, on the other side, you know, what things are going to really change. And will we look back and say, oh, that was a real turning point. And um, so we decided we really needed to start actively deliberately and wholeheartedly collecting people's diverse experiences about what was going on uh, at this moment. And fortunately, you know, we're lucky we've got all these fantastic, lovely online tools and cool ways to connect with people that we maybe didn't have before. Um, but we really did start out with some of the basic stuff. You know, we asked um, Rodney Dawson, who's our education curator, he sent just diaries to educator friends of his uh, and uh, healthcare professional folks that he knows. And we talked to our museum volunteers, you know, the folks who welcome people when they come into the museum when the building's open. Um, you know, they want to remain active as well. So we said, well, listen, guys, tell us what you're doing. You know, share, share what you're doing. Take pictures of what's going on in your neighborhood, in your family, and in your household. Um, and they started uh, and sharing some things as well. And so pretty much we want, we want to open it up to anybody uh, to be able to participate. We've already uh, had uh, dozens of responses uh, online and we've got a web, a web page that you can go to um, with kind of a basic form about getting, about participating, sort of whether you want to participate now or kind of work on diaries and participate later. Um, and so folks can go to greensborohistory.org slash history hyphen now. Um, so we're really collect, connecting with people right now, uh, starting to collect some stories and looking forward to continuing this into summer when we hope to do some oral history interviews with teachers and essential workers and volunteers and more. Awesome. So um, you spoke to a little bit about why this is important, um, but I also was wondering, Carol, if this is based off of other projects or similar projects that's happened in the past here in Greensboro or maybe in other communities. Well, communities all across the country are doing similar projects, but in part, as in the quote that you mentioned, we know from reading accounts from previous generations, it's an important way to have a better understanding of what happened, what was life like. A lot of times the, the big important things of life in our times are documented, but it's those day-to-day, -day, in and out experiences that are harder to find unless someone's written letters or kept a diary or kept a journal. And throughout much of our recorded history, these recordings are of a personal nature. At the History Museum, we have some wonderful archival collections of letters and correspondence and journals and diaries. What really prompted me though is thinking we're living through a pandemic now. Oh my God, you know, this is like the worst thing that's ever happened. It's so terrible. But then you start as a historian, wait a minute, has something similar to this happened before? And how did people deal with it? How did it change life? And that's where we started looking in our archives to see what we had uh, documenting a similar period in the past. So it sounds like you have um, prepared a, a video um, and some pieces of some diaries in the past. You, I know you wanted to share it um, and I'd love to do that. Do you wanna um, kind of prompt everybody from what it is and what's expected um, with this video and maybe some to come? Yeah, so, uh, and we'll hear a little bit about it in the, the uh, video itself, but we have the diaries of a woman who was married to the first Presbyterian minister and kept journals for her very long life from before the Civil War through right after World War I. She writes about keeping journals her whole adult life. At the museum, we have those from the last 20 years of her life, which includes the World War I and the Spanish influenza time period. And seeing her account of what it was like to be in Greensboro in 1918 as the Spanish flu starts to take hold is uh, incredibly fascinating, interesting, and, and certainly connects to the life we're living today. 
Well, this video, um, I think, is hot off the press. And so we're excited to share um, what Carol has put together um, to share those diaries. So I'm going to share my screen and start the video. A terrible flu is sweeping the country and many are dying. People are stuck at home. They can't go to school or even church. The streets are eerily quiet and people are afraid. They don't know what the coming months will bring. Not only is America dealing with a pandemic, but the world war is still raging. The year, 1918. And this is the journal of Greensboro's Mary Kelly Watson Smith. director of the Greensboro History Museum. We have lots of things at the museum. We have tiny little buttons to lunch counters to giant fire engines. We have photographs and books and documents and diaries like Mary Kelly Watson Smith. Mary was born in 1836, moved to Greensboro in 1859 as the wife of the first Presbyterian minister and kept journals her entire life. We're really lucky to have the diaries from the last 20 years of her life. That includes the World War I period and the time of the Spanish flu. Right now, as we're living through a pandemic, not as unprecedented as we might have thought, I wondered what stories from 100 years ago do I wish I knew and remembered we had the diaries of Mary. Now, reading those diaries is a little bit of a challenge, but I'm getting there, and I'm really excited to be able to share with you some of what she had to say about that time period. October 2nd. Everything and everybody excited and alarmed at the epidemic of Spanish influenza which seems taking the entire country at one sweep. Many deaths occurring in the camps, which is heartbreaking. Fanny Barringer, Mrs. John Waldrop died Sunday night of typhoid fever, which he contracted away on a visit, ending in the pneumonia. Her husband and father are left utterly desolate and in their home. We drove out to the cemetery and saw the beautiful spot where she lay, emerald green, and her mother's grave as well as the handsome stone and her own resting place covered in the exquisite designs. Oh, the sadness of it. Dr. and Mrs. W.P. Beale have gone on to Washington to see their son, Tom, who is very ill with influenza. 13 casualties of North Carolina boys reported this morning from those terrible drives of the Allies in France. October 3rd, my first cousin, Lieutenant Colonel Mason Magruder, surgeon of the U.S. Marines, is visiting in Charlottesville after many years. Margaret has taken the leadership in part of the campaign for hospitality liaison for soldiers in France a call which stirs every woman's heart in Greensboro and is meeting with a cordial response. 412 sheets, 889 hand towels, bath towels, 1,700 handkerchiefs, and 82 napkins is the amount required of Greensboro. More than 90 churches have been communicated with Jew and Gentile, Romanists, and the leading ladies of each put in charge. The normal girls responded at once with $50, the White Oak chapter sending $200, and the children 250 handkerchiefs. The Florence Nightingales, who are colored ladies, very willingly undertook the napkins. October 4th. Dr. and Mrs. Beale arrived last night with Tom's body, and he was laid to rest this afternoon in Greenhill. A large attendance at Westminster, where services were conducted by Mr. Hodgen. 
got to share some of Mary's diary with you. Join us on the journey as we explore her diaries and the other stuff that we have here. Carol, uh, for sharing that video with us. Um, it's just amazing to see um, everything that's in the, the History Museum's archive and especially to be able to sort of glean on um, what's happened in the past. And it sounds like there'll be potentially more videos to come. Is that right? Yeah, there'll be months worth of videos. As I said, uh, she wrote a lot, and the next episode will start on October 6th, where she says the streets are eerily quiet, the churches are closed down, the schools, nobody can leave. And again, it seems reminiscent of today. And I just liked how they talked about the community pitching in and the children and we get to see these connections which we tried to pull from our archives photographs and uh, I went out to the cemetery and took a picture but to get more of a sense of the community that she's talking about and of course the more that you have the better. The other yeah. thing I want to highlight, which makes our History Happening Now project so important, is we're going to be able to see life 100 years ago through Mary's eyes and through the eyes of her acquaintances and friends. But clearly, that's a very narrow slice of life. She's, at this point, an, an elderly, prominent white lady. Um, you know, what was going on with a white oak? working class people? What about those Florence Nightingale ladies? We don't have a, a lot of information about them. And one point in doing this is maybe people out there do have some old letters and maybe we'll acquire those. But it's also to be mindful that today, while we have the opportunity to save those diaries and journals, let's make sure it's not from just one slice of our community, but um, we're making sure as much as we can that we have a broad representation of um, ethnicities and ages and uh, you know women and men and, and just so we get a, a, a fuller sense of what life is like today. Yeah, I think that's really um, true. When you were talking about the number of handkerchiefs, it sort of was like this reflection of how many masks have been sewn and um, and how many shields have been created at the forge downtown and sort of what will that look like um, as we look back or others look back, I should say, um, in 100 years. Mm -hmm. um, and also the question I think that a lot of us are asking about how can we um, be really sensitive to making sure that we're archiving many perspectives of the diverse community that's living here in Green right now. So, um, Glenn or Car Carol, can you share maybe any entries that you think are interesting right now um, that you've already received through the project? Sure, Glenn. Yeah, well, um, you know, like I said, we've got over um, several dozen different uh, entries coming in, um, and they've been from all kinds of people. You know, they've been uh, some from students, I think a teacher found out about the project and then sent some of her students to share some of what they've been doing. So there's some pictures of some dancing with your with friends on on phones, and then uh, there were um, a lot of examples from um, people who are talking about their neighborhoods and uh, you know sort of social distancing parties in the street or having you know cocktails in the driveway and waving at your friends from a distance. Um, there's uh, examples of people sewing masks. Uh, a lot, a lot of people sort of sharing that work that they're doing to try to, uh, you know, create something to share with other people uh, and to support the work that um, that essential workers are doing. And even even some of those, um, there was just recently one that came in from somebody who worked at Home Depot talking about um, what it's like to be there. So you know, we're really excited to have those, and we're excited to be connecting with other um, partners and organizations uh, in order to keep doing this work. You know, we, uh, Guilford Education Alliance just started uh, a project where they are um, sending out diary materials to a lot of schools with backpack beginnings um, so that GCS students can share their, um, their thoughts. There's writing prompts that go with those. 
Um, and so we're going to work with them with some of that material. Gopher College uh, History Department is doing a summer session uh, course, a, a special history happening now online summer course. We're working with them. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, we're doing a lot of reaching out too to try to connect with folks who can bring us, who can bring, help us find people who have these interesting stories. Sure. Um, someone has mentioned, and I do encourage everybody to um, type in questions if you have some in the chat feature, um, that the ANT Library Archive um, may have some documents and diaries from um, the Spanish flu. So um, something to, to think about. Um, so another question, as you as you mentioned about giving diaries to, to students and other forms of media, um, obviously we have different ways of, of you know, documenting things now that people didn't 100 years ago from um, playlists maybe on Spotify or run routes that people are taking right now um, through their iWatch or videos like this or TikTok. Um, are you looking for any and all kinds of archives? Is that of interest to you in, ter in terms of new media? We are looking for all kinds of material. You know, we're talking to UNCG libraries about ways to archive web content, you know, all these signs and activities and things that go up on the web. Um, you know, sometimes those can get lost, uh, even hard to find. Uh, so they have some tools and techniques for archiving that kind of stuff. Um, and I really love the idea of like uh, of documenting people's running routes or walking routes because just yeah. think, you know if we had that from 1918 um, what that could tell us about sort of how people went around downtown. Um, so I think that you know those sort of you know those maps and those those magic uh, recorders that are in our pockets a lot of the time uh, can tell a lot of interesting things. Um, so you know we're really open to a lot of these ideas and projects. Um, and there's um, some cool projects nationwide that we're kind of trying to connect with um, in order to share these things really widely. Great. Um, Matthew from elsewhere, who's new to Greensboro, so welcome, Matthew. Um, he's asking, is the content being shared with the local school system, and are they being invited to gather children's accounts of this time in addition to the uh, Guilford Educational Alliance diaries? Yes, <laughs> uh, uh, Rodney, our Cure of Education has been working really closely uh, with the schools. And one of the reasons I'm excited about this project is that the YouTube videos and the reading of these diaries will go along with the history happening now and collecting the new diaries and be incorporated into lesson plans and to online teaching that uh, and online field trips, virtual tours that we'll be doing with classes where we can connect in a humanities, a broad way, uh, diaries and journals from the past, creative writing of the students now, other ways to document through music and art. And uh, so it's, it's a really exciting time. I also quickly wanted to comment on one of the questions about A&T. One of the interesting things about doing this project is we did a exhibit on World War I at the museum a couple of years ago, because it was the 100th anniversary. And in doing the research for that exhibit, we, we brought forward a lot of material. We worked, we actually did feature a woman, African-American woman connected to A&T, who was a member of the Florence Nightingales, but we worked, we tried so hard to get more information and pictures about the other women of the Florence Nightingales and worked with the African-American community and churches. And it just, we couldn't, there were other names listed. Does anyone have a picture or a letter? And there wasn't anything. And even at A&T, there's a lot of more military accounts and important his historical stuff, but how the women were living their everyday lives, when you're in the moment or even last, it doesn't seem as important or as historic to know, oh, I went to the store and got couldn't get eggs today. You know, sometimes that doesn't seem as important, but today, that's the kind of thing that I really am interested in. One of the things, and this is maybe a little bit more of my anthropology background, but I think it's fascinating to, to look at what foods, for example, are in short supply and the empty shelves. And within the safety of not going out too much, if I could, I would go from community to community to community and see what it is that is the most important food because I think it would be different, you know, is it 
bread to make white bread? Is it beans to make whatever? It's, it's going to change and give us some insights into the people who live in that community. So it's that day to, the day-to-day -day stuff that I wish we had from the past. And sometimes when you look back and like, I wish I knew that from the past, you think, well, maybe we should record and preserve that today so that in another hundred years, when people look back, they'll have a better idea. The other thing quickly before I forget is we're really interested in collecting uh, objects, this stuff of history as well. Uh, and we have reached out and connected to preserve some of the masks, particularly some of the, the masks that are we making People have been making the denim masks and um, the sanitizing bottle. Our, our, um, some of the gin manufacturers are producing, you know, isn't that a cool thing to save? Signage, you know, the signs that we've seen out there out of toilet paper or whatever, and, and other material culture. Um, again, we don't want to be taking any PPE that someone could be using, but at some point, there'll be an appropriate time and also to connect that with a story. And again, as a local history museum, for us, it's not so much the stuff, it's the stories the stuff tells and the people it connects. So we're, we're really excited in the future, hopefully once things settle down and people can move around a little bit more to start, in addition to the diary and the journaling and the oral histories and video histories to actually um, start corralling and preserving some of the uh, physical culture that um, is coming forward at this time. Yeah, well, I think those are great prompts um, for our listeners and maybe the friends of our listeners to really um, think about maybe collecting things, um, physical objects, or maybe some journal prompts around um, what they're buying at the grocery store. I can't say how many times people have looked for yeast lately because there's so much sourdough making. Um, and so um, maybe those will be the, the pieces of history that, that we remember now. Um, so I want to switch gears a little. Carol and Glenn don't go anywhere, um, but I want to switch gears to a grassroots project that's happening um, in the Westerwood neighborhood um, called the Westerwood Porch Portrait Project, um, which I will um, would love for Betsy and Anne to share a little bit about um, what the origin of the project is and then, of course, what the goals are. So, um, Betsy, do you want to share a little about the project? Sure. Um, yeah, it was kind of one of those meant to be things. I know for me, I've had a step back with the photography part of my business, and I, I've just really missed it. And was thinking about it is a historic time, and it's the census time. And, and I, I, I know in my own life, it's a time of taking stock of who am I? Where am I? What, what is this, this space about? And so I was kind of thinking about it, praying about it. And then Cecilia woo, contacted me and she said, I, I can't even remember your original email, but something about like, wouldn't it be interesting to, to capture this uh, photographically? And I got so overwhelmed by the details of what that would mean. And we just connected and really, really quick. She's like, I'll do all the organizational work if you'll do the photography. And then Anne had contacted me just like if you guys need any help I, i'd love to help and and it's it's evolved from there and, and has a really fascinating piece kind of a humans of westerwood uh, story gathering component and so we just went from there so um betsy the porch portraits are a national trend right now i think that we're seeing them um, all over the place i saw that morgan radford who's the greensboro native um is on nbc um and she did a piece last sunday about the porch portraits project and what I saw in that is that there's such an interesting lens and an artist perspective on these projects. And so I know that you have a lens on what you're trying to capture in the Westerwood neighborhood. And so can you share a little about um, how you're prompting um, people in the neighborhood to prepare um, or really not to prepare for their portraits and sort of what lens you wanna have on this as a, as a piece of the archive that we'll share with the Greensboro History Museum? Yeah. Um, I think the goal has been for this to be as natural as possible, which is totally unnatural. And I, I know from my background with documentary film, there's sort of a story at hand, but I never want to go in too heavy handed. And so one of the things that I think has been most meaningful 
has been to show up and kind of check in with people. Like, how are you? How, what, what are the themes that are coming up for you? What are you facing? What's your day-to-day like? And some people have shared really, I think most people have actually shared really freely and that's been so beautiful. And then just have an opportunity for, for people to sit and, um, um, I, I think even for me, I don't like having my photo taken, which is ironic, but um, just wanting to encourage people to, to be present with what's present with them. Is this stressful? How, is, is, is it exciting? Are they, are, are they having quarrels with their siblings? Are they playing more? You know, what, whatever that looks like. And then allowing space to, to grab the photos. Yeah. And we've had um, really interesting, I will say I've joined Betsy on um, these calls and we've had so many interesting interactions with people from our recent graduates of UNCG um, to um, doctors, of course, that work for Cone. And so just hearing these perspectives and um, those that had to come back from a, a study abroad trip and are now um, as a college student living with their parents. So just different perspectives. So um, Betsy, we were wondering if you might uh, be willing to share a couple sneak peeks of the images that you've taken. Yay, I would love to. <laughs> all right, let's see here. And all right. Yeah, so I was just going to share just a few here. Um, and let's see. So this is a family who probably like a lot of us um, are stuck at home together a lot and feeling some feelings. And I just thought they were so cute. And I, I have a lot of siblings and I just appreciated the, the interaction there between these twins. Um, this is a woman who um, had just gotten her PhD, had kind of had her head down in the books and was so excited about uh, having free time and interacting with friends and family. And then the quarantine hit. So she uh, had a little celebration to herself when we arrived and had her own balloons and, and everything. And it was just so sweet to, to see her and, and to witness that, that moment for her. Um, I think this is Matthew, who's on our call, uh, the new director of Elsewhere, and um, I just, I feel for you, Matthew, because uh, they just moved here right before the, um, the pandemic hit, and so um, it was awesome to be there with, with their family on their porch. Um, I just have a couple more here. This is a, a woman who uh, has been taking on um, ballroom dancing classes and had switched to doing that alone at home and is sort of navigating seeing uh, kids and grandkids. And then another thing, I just like this photo, just a family in the neighborhood and just, I'll just share one more. And I, and I think that the experience for a lot of us is that it's sort of real, but it's not real. And I don't, I don't know what the photographs will look like if, you know, if we were to do this a year from now. And I think that's part of, of capturing this imagery at this point. Um, and then the last photo I'll share is um, of, a, of a physician here who is treating COVID patients and his daughter and, uh, or his, I guess his child and his wife can't uh, be there with, with him. And so it's sort of the snapshot of, of where, I don't know if this is the beginning or the middle or the end, but this is where we are as a neighborhood right now. And, um, and yeah, that's a little bit about where we are. Betsy, thank you for sharing. Um, I know we've gotten a lot of uh, chat messages really talking about how powerful um, images are and how beautiful they are. And I will say as somebody that's gotten to trek around the neighborhood with you um, and experience the, the photography sessions, it has been really authentic. I think Matthew didn't even know we were coming. We just um, saw him on the porch and said, hey, would you participate? And so, uh, he was very in the moment and authentic um, and then hearing the stories and, and Betsy's just done such a great job of um, asking people to, to, I think I'll paraphrase what you always say, Betsy, is take a deep breath and think about your pandemic experience. And she gets the camera ready and on the count of three, they're able to express um, internally or externally, whatever that feeling is. And so when that little boy put his fist up to his twin brother, it really spoke to um, what life is like, I think, um, for good reasons. He was giggling while he did it um, and, and challenging reasons in terms of what we're living like um, today. And so it's just a, a snap in time. So um, Anne has um, joined our little team of, of 
documentaries and she offered to do I think a really difficult challenge of provide captions to these images and so um, Anne can you share your experience of touching base with each of these neighbors and and collecting their thoughts and, and maybe a couple of previews in terms of what we got so far. Sure I'd love to. Um, first I mean I think the images are so powerful on their own but it's become apparent to all three of us um, who are closer to this right now that people have more behind them. They have more story. And so we've been, I've been trying to invite them to share more of what's really going on. Um, and it's been interesting to hear what people tell you because you don't get everything from just the picture um, or it, it just builds it into something much bigger. So it's been fun to collect these stories. And um, I think stories are, are so integral to how we understand our world and they help us to integrate all this into our experience. So, I mean, they're just, they're just amazing. Um, I can just share a few snippets from some of the stories we've gotten so far. Um, I had one, one neighbor of ours um, wrote this part and this was so wonderful because it links to our history already here in Greensboro so strongly. My oldest son came from New York where he lives, works, and is a student at the Fashion Institute of Technology, finishing the year online. After self-quarantine, he began volunteering with Hudson's Hill, sewing medical masks through their partnership with Burlington Fabrics and operating out of Revolution Mill. Coincidentally, my maternal grandmother, Gamma, sewed in Greensboro as a volunteer during wartime while my grandfather served overseas. Gamma often recalled the ravages of polio in this area, which took her and my mother as a child to Oxford for a summer to avoid the epidemic. That always seemed so surreal to me, and yet here we live in a similar time with nowhere to go. Um, from another neighbor, as a public defender, I work in courts and jails and prisons, but have not gone to any of these in two months. Our only hearings have been held by Zoom, my colleagues and I do a very person-intensive person job that now entails no direct interaction with people. It's been completely turned upside down. Um, from another neighbor, our neighborhood is awesome. We've had a lot of this kind of thing. We've had a lot of our neighbors telling us how great our neighborhood is. Um, our neighborhood is awesome. So many creative take-charge women reacted immediately with massive mask sewing and shield-making efforts. I've witnessed the gatherings of foodstuffs, helping each other as well as harder hit areas of the city. My neighbors wear masks, they stay at home, they help each other. We recognize that caring for others and keeping them safe by, by being careful and cautious supports our community and improves every life. So I think those are just representative of some of what we're receiving and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying getting to know our neighbors this way. <laughs> Yeah, it's been amazing um, to get to know our neighbors, um, both by taking the pictures, but also by hearing um, or reading um, the descriptions of their life right now. And so, Anne, thanks for um, sharing a couple of those. I see there may be some Westerwood folks on the call now. And so if you haven't submitted your response, we're looking for you. Um, so I'm curious from Betsy and Anne, if others are listening and they're thinking, um, maybe I could start my own grassroots project. This seems pretty simple. Um, what would your advice be? I'd say do it, do it, do it, do it. It's This has been so, I didn't realize how awesome this is going to be. And there's some, I've had more in-depth soulful conversations with neighbors than I think I ever, like complete strangers in my neighborhood. I've passed houses a thousand times and never, connected on this level. And I think that Cecilia has been witness too. I think night after night, people just saying like, this is so fun, or this is like, this is really real or really good. And I'm so glad just to connect. And so even if the photos are bad, even if something terrible happens, just get out there and do it. And I was so excited to hear Carol say, um, just a call for diversity and, and it's so needed. And so just do it, do it, do it, get out there. And I'm so grateful to, to, to Anne um, and Cecilia and Teamwork make it, makes the dream work. So get get good volunteers if you can. <laughs> I would second what Bessie's saying. It's um it's been a phenomenal experience for me. And on a personal note, um, my work has slowed down significantly during this time because my clients are dead in the water, most of them. Um, and so this is really feeding me personally, which is great. But also the whole connecting thing. I mean, during this pandemic, when we feel 
so disconnected by sp spatially, it's wonderful to be able to connect in these other ways and we need it. Yeah, I think we felt that when we visited our neighbors, they've all just been um, grateful that we're enjoying the project and that they can be a part of it, but they're also just grateful to see other humans and talk to us for the 15 minutes that we stand in their front yard, 12 feet away, taking their pictures. Um, and it, it's been really energizing. And so Betsy and I have, I think, visited 35 homes in Westerwood in the last week, and we've got uh, several more to go. And so um, while our backs are tired from pulling the wagon um, up the hills, um, it's been really rewarding and exciting and, and to be able to connect our neighbors right now. So um, the question that we had next, which of course is also in our chat feature, is when can we see and read the photos and the captions? This is a hot question, and I was <laughs> reviewing this. Um, I will be releasing an online gallery in four to six weeks. I don't, I, and I, I don't know how to kind of. I feel funny giving a plug for my own like Facebook page, but Betsy Blake Photography. Um, but I, I don't know how we're going to announce it. But I'll be doing an online uh, a gallery, and and we may have some. We have some ideas for some potential plans beyond that in the works. Very good. Um, Carol and Glenn, after seeing um, the photos and hearing some of the captions, I'm curious about what, what you're thinking. Well, I think it's, uh, I mean, you know, that's really the, those are the stories and that sort of intimate moments that we want, you know, if we can go back to the, the kind of thing that you get, that you get a little bit from the work that Carol's been researching on 1918, but, you know, she, she'll tell you probably, uh, that it's hard to have those faces. So I think having those faces as well as the voices that you're capturing uh, in the in the captions are tremendous. And, you know, wouldn't it be great to really have um, these kinds of images uh, across the city, you know, in Noko Park and Bembo Park and Lindley Park and Westerwood and, and you know, and, and, and all over the city to really you know, give a give a real perspective of what's going on in different communities. Yeah, I think getting the the faces and their stories and how people feel about things that that's the the emotional part is sometimes what gets missing as history and time goes on. And by capturing it in this way, uh, I think we we will help future generations understand better who we are. And it's just wonderful and we can see this uh, history. It's not just about this end product that we're gonna preserve, but it's also about the process and, and the process of this kind of Zoom meeting and, and the work you're doing is really important for, for community and for the connectedness as you mentioned. And as we're figuring out moving forward, how do we relate to each other? How do we connect? How do we be a community in this new reality? It's going to be really important. So thank yeah. you for that work. <laughs> thank you, Betsy. And Anne, um, Tara Sanderkopf with the Community Foundation is saying, uh, leak it out, Betsy. Um, build, build your following and that building stronger neighborhoods, which is an initiative the Community Foundation can help with that. Um, and she can connect you to Sadie Blue, who's working with neighborhoods across the city. So um, maybe we can inspire other neighborhoods um, across the community to do similar projects. Um, we'll welcome any other questions uh, for, for our special guests today. I will say just a, a personal little story is that last summer, um, I was renovating the house that I'm sitting in in Westerwood. And um, as the roofers were pulling the eaves off the, the house, about 40 or so old photographs fell onto the front lawn over the 4th of July weekend. And they were images from the 40s. And they're just these captivating photos. I shared them with Betsy at the beginning of, our, of the Westerwood project, just to really think about what kinds of expressions we were looking for people, not necessarily just traditional family portraits. And um, you know, one of the things I've always wanted about those pictures was who they were, who are these people, and um, what were their stories, and where, where were they in their lives, and especially the, the photos that were taken from what I could figure out in Greensboro. And, and luckily, I was able to find um, a family member of, of the, the pictures family members um, and give them back. But it really made me reflect about what I would want people to know about what we're all up to um, in, in Greensboro today. And so I think we're all doing that. Um, 
I would welcome anybody on this call to share with your friends, um, with your family members in Greensboro, with your neighbors about contributing in some way to the Greensboro History Museum's archives, whether that's in an artifact like um, a shield or a mask or a jar of yeast or a hand sanitizer jar, um, or maybe it's a diary entry that you make over um, the next couple of weeks as we move into phase two um, and maybe the anxiety that you're feeling about re-entering uh, the community um, that I think so many of us are feeling right now, or um, maybe the excitement that we're all feeling right now to hopefully reconnect with our friends um, in the days and months to come. So I just wanna thank you all for um, joining us on this Zoom call um, and appreciate uh, what you're doing to, to archive our community. So um, before we wrap up, I just want to do a quick plug for tomorrow's um, session, which is Work From Home Wednesday with Deborah Hooper. Um, Deborah is bringing on a panel on uh, PPP loans and how we can um, understand the forgiveness process of those PPP loans, what sort of um, things that we need to be doing to prepare for that. Um, and I think that's going to be a really informative call to anyone who is uh, looking to um, who has gotten a PPP loan and, and working through that into our large business and small business community. So welcome you on the call tomorrow at three o'clock, same Zoom login uh, for Work From Home Wednesday. Um, and this I think is our sixth uh, Try This Tuesday and we are adjusting to move back into our offices in the next couple of weeks. And so this may be the last Try This Tuesday um, or it might not, I haven't really decided what, what this holds. And so it may sunset and may come back in a new iteration if you're interested in collaborating on um, this really exciting thing that I've gotten the opportunity to do. I welcome ideas and, and collaborators. Um, but until then, um, I hope to continue to reconnect with you um, through Action Greensboro's program of work and through our social media. And of course, when our office opens um, back, hopefully soon. So until then, uh, stay well, um, stay healthy, archive history and um, see you tomorrow for work from home Wednesday. Thanks guys. This podcast is brought to you by True Lion Federal Credit Union, a modern mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members, the businesses it serves and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, True Lion makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information. You can find all of our episodes on YouTube thanks to our video sponsor, North State. Impact the Borough is recorded at Press Play Studios. Producers are Brody Cohen Glaze and Holly West. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GSO Chamber. See you next time.